The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday Major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 182 on the OneOuter.com podcast sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This, this episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, this is the first episode we are recording in a few weeks now. The ones when I was in Vegas were all pre-recorded, so we are as good as live. This is the 21st of June and this one will be going out tonight, UK time. How are you doing? I'm a little bit jet lagged and a little bit um, all over the place. Thoughts and body clock, but I'm feeling good apart from that. Uh, I'm good, Barry, and I'm none of those things. So don't worry, (laughs) I'll carry the episode. Yeah, as usual. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's weird. It's like I, I was talking with Alex before it. I, when I go east to Asia and come back, it takes me like a day, maybe two days max to sort of get back into normality and feel fine again. Every time I come back from the States, I mean, I think it took like 10 days to two weeks last until I was really sort of feeling properly, you know, in my own body again, sleep-wise and just clarity of thought and stuff. I mean... What's weird is I'm really relaxed. I feel really relaxed and good. There's no like stress or anxiety with any of it. But just uh, I got back Saturday. This is now Thursday, and you know like last night I fell asleep on the settee quite early. Woke up at two in the morning and wide awake and things like that, and then forced myself back to sleep and then get up. So I'm forcing myself to get up uh, and try and stay on UK time as much as possible. But yeah, it definitely takes it. I definitely understand the word lag in it, um, mm. in, in, in jet lag. That's that's the way I'm feeling. But uh, we got loads to talk about, lots of fun things I'm going to... I made a little bullet points from Vegas trips, things that I'd like to mention on the show and stuff. So we can mm. talk about that. But w- what have you been up to? Not a whole lot. I've been... Uh, I, I thank you for asking. I've... I don't know why I always feel the need to say this, but thank you for having me on. It doesn't feel like my show just because you were doing the One Outers podcast for a lot longer than I've been here. And I actually, I don't know if that's true. You had a lot bigger names before me, so I, I appreciate you putting up with me, Barry. Thanks for having me. And I've been doing good just getting ready for Vegas, getting ready for the main event, just playing the main event this year, doing a lot of... Uh, really setting my game plan. I always put together little playbooks, really digging deep for what plays not make the most money, but consistently don't 
lose because staying in a poker tournament has value. So what you're really trying to do is set up uh, the buzzword in my mind recently is options just because I was reading a bunch about them from this is like the sixth episode in a row we've brought him up, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, but it, the, I was trying to find hand, uh, strategies that, what's the downside if you play a hand like this? Okay, it's pretty limited. What's the upside? Wow, that's pretty high. And sure enough, I'd look through and I'd go, damn, I can make money with almost any two cards doing this. And just trying to put together a playbook like that, uh, obviously a little bit more specialized for the main events, a little bit more specialized for if, you know, if the guy's from Europe, if, if the guy's a little bit more experienced, what do I plan to do? If there's a guy three betting me constantly to the left, what am I going to do? And that's been really fun. I, I just really like the process of getting prepared for these tournaments. And last year was very fun. The tournament didn't work out, but I, I got a lesson on live towels and, things of that nature, which were really fun uh, in Vegas. This year, going a little bit more my playbook. Uh, another thing I've been doing is I, I'm trying to prepare for the main event by changing when I eat during the day. So I'll go longer hours without eating, and then I'll eat smaller amounts uh, if the side effect is I get rid of the little belly I still have, that'd be nice. But mostly what I'm doing it for is for the main event, which the temperature is always a little weird. You can't control. Sometimes you're right underneath the AC. Sometimes seems like they, the Rio's not springing for the AC this year. Yeah. And sometimes uh, you just, you, you, when you're at home and you work for yourself and you can eat at any time you want, you get spoiled because pretty much whenever you're hungry, you eat. And I've been really working on let's eat at set times over the last week or so to get prepared for the main event because that's something that I always used to the first two days would go, oh, God, this sucks. And I didn't want to just eat cliff Bars to get through or any of that stuff. So... I've been seeing if I could go longer and longer without eating and uh, getting used to just snacking small amounts as opposed to having a big dinner break and then being in a food coma when you get back. So lots of fun stuff like that. That's what I'm doing, Barry. Yeah, it reminds me about the, the best tournament that I had the success in in Vegas. I turned up about 20 minutes before it, had a hot dog, spilt fizzy juice down my T-shirt, and uh, went on and I made day two and then made 40th out of 3,000 plus players in that tournament. The other, two <laughs> the other two tournaments I played, I watched some of your webinars the night before. I had like a yogurt and granola type breakfast thing and I was out after like three hours on both of them. So hot dog and fizzy juice 20 minutes before is the new thing for me. I said that I'm going to try and just be like one of these slobs that turns up and wins, you know, rather than in my mind going, yeah, I'm really like, you know, I did a bit of meditating and stuff like that. It's like, I'm going on results from it. You know, it's like, uh, I was staying at the Golden Nugget that night. I got up and it was like 20 minutes, half an hour before the tourney. I went, I need to eat something. 
and hot dog and uh, Pepsi. You really and wanted to join my people, didn't you? What's that? You really wanted to join the Americans with that hot dog there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are the all-beef all 100% hot dogs. Good quality hot dogs, though. No, That's no good. Numbers, That's yeah. good. Um, they, actually, just on food and with you going out there as well, I do need to give a shout-out to Rolling Smoke Barbecue. Um, I was recommended it by my brother, and I got an Uber out to this place, and it's like on a little industrial unit. It's only five minutes from the strip. It's not far. And this place, the best way I can describe it, it was like a church for food. Everyone was quiet. It was so hushed, and everyone's heads were bowed, just shoveling this food into their mouth. Nobody, Not even groups of people were talking. Everyone was just eating and in silence. The food was that good and, you know, that just heavy probably for people to, to digest. It, that was, just reminded me of a church. It was so quiet. The guy sitting next to me was a regular American guy and he's like, oh, I come out here all the time. And the food was fantastic. They smoke it all out the back themselves and cook it up for you. And it was just it, beautiful. It was one of the best meals I've... I, I've had actually. It was just everything was brilliant and spot on. So, uh, Rolling Smoke uh, Barbecue, check it out definitely if you're in Vegas and you get a chance. Um, I did make a couple of like bullet points. So, like on the Vegas trip, the highlight was for I was there for eleven nights, twelve days, and it's in terms of like how to explain this sort of peace of mind and enjoying and the trip etc apart from the one two years ago where I went uh, with my fiance for my brother's wedding obviously but once that I've went on my own just to play poker this was the most relaxed I've been the happiest I've been the most content it wasn't the most profitable but it everything else was good so in a way it was sort of thing it was a really good, good trip I really enjoyed it I made sure to like go and do things I wanted to do um, really be in the moment and enjoy it and yeah the poker you know when I things didn't work out it was fine and when things did work out it was fine um, the highlight was I played the, the some big tournament at the Golden Nugget 200k guaranteed and I ended up getting like 440 grand prize pool and it was a $200 buy and there was 3,050 odd players in and I went out 40th and that was it but uh you know no real bad beat stories or anything the exit hand was weird though so like just in terms of hands i will mention it there's like the chip leader on the table opened under the gun min raise and this guy who got moved to the table maybe about four hands before and it was a this was the second day of the tournament 40 players left at this time maybe 41 42 and uh, this guy was like 50s, golf hat, you know, sort of just stereotypical recreational uh, player. And he shipped his like eight big blinds in over the top of this min raise from the chip leader under the gun. And it comes to me in the big blind, I've got ace king of hearts with 11 or 12 big blinds it was. And obviously I'm... I stick it in, the, the chip leader is opening so much as well, like, it was, I didn't even remotely think, like, whatever, so anyway, it goes in, the chip leader folds, and the other guy that's played two days decided to ship over the under-the-gun raise with queen-six of diamonds, 
and uh, that I lost that hand, and um, that left me with like two point five three big blinds folded to me the very next hand in the small blind. I've got ace two of spades. I obviously stick it in. Uh, queen eight this time. Uh, diamonds calls in the big blind, and he hits an eight on the flop, and that was me out in uh, those two hands. So I can't moan though. I did. Um, on day one, I had ace-king against aces and kings, and we chopped the pot with a straight on the board. So uh, that was good. So I always reminded myself, that was before the money as well, I reminded myself that I was free-rolling the tournament after that. So I, I took everything else in, in good stead. But um, yeah, that was it. I, I, I was happy how I played. I was only in for one bullet, even though it was a re-entry. You had to wait till all your chips were gone. I I, lo I lost uh, top two King Jack against uh, Kings on a King Jack six, I think it was, or something. I I did well not to go broke that hand on the uh, level two or something. Uh, the guy just the uh, I bet River and the guy called. I thought I was betting for value, so uh, I went like nuts. The guy called, yeah, Kings, you know, he'd flatted a three bit as well with it. So, yeah, that, that was nice. And that 15k starting, and I think that got me down to like 5.5k, 6k, something like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, what else happened? So, that, yeah, that was it. That was a good run. The cash games, one, the whole message anyway for anyone listening, and we've discussed it before, anybody that thinks poker is dead or he's, or he's even closely solved, no limit hold'em, go and play in Vegas for a few days or a week or whatever. This is far from being solved. Or if it is, the games you're going to be playing in, it's not. And the play is unreal. Um, I saw so many bad plays, bad players, people like steaming till overvaluing ace-queen in like, ridiculous spots. And just I was playing a cash game where a woman kept putting in say like under the gun raised to like six dollars and there was a caller she's on the button she put her six dollars in before everyone else and the dealer never once in the venetian told her i just kept noticing it she she didn't have a clue she um she just turned her cards over with the nuts on the river for me i flopped a flush she had ace of clubs another club came on the river i just checked and she just turned her cards over rather than bet and I, she didn't even know what was going on she sent me four hundred dollars in front of her so and that was just one example. I mean, the games were great. Uh, I had fun playing Cash in the Venetian, and there was a great quote. There was this really cool Croatian guy, and he's, I think he was 62. He said he was 62, and um, he was a sort of rocker, but not like a tragic rocker. You know, he suited it. It was effortless, the way he dressed and carried himself, etc. Croatian guy, and he said he played uh, Uber, uh, he played Uber. He, uh, he drove for Uber part time and played poker as well. That was all he did. And uh, it was really funny in a pot. This guy goes to bet against him and he stopped and he went, Stop, be careful, think what you're doing. I must remind you, I'm a professional Uber driver. That's what he said. <laughs> it was just like a great. And the, the other guy next to me was this guy from Peru who was in his 50s and they were both going over to the World Cup and stuff. So. I really enjoyed meeting lots of different people this time. I was chatting to like, lots of guys at the table. I had a, I had a great time. And um, I met up with Carlos Welsh, and we were talking in the wind. 
And this guy came over and was talking to Carlos, and then he heard my voice. He was like, oh, is this Barry? So I've had your voice in my ears for like the last two weeks. I've been catching up with your podcast. Uh, this guy, Craig, and uh, he started listening to all the Ask Alex episodes and some of the interviews I did before as well. And uh, so that was really cool, you know, to, to hear that. And then I met up with another one out, our listener, a guy named Mac. I met him in the Golden Nugget. He was in the same tournament. And we were going to meet up at the Rio again, but I didn't play another tournament after that. So he was a cool guy. We only got to meet briefly. Um, but, yeah, that was cool. So I said, if I go next year, I'm definitely going to arrange some sort of meet-up. Because there was a few other guys messaged me, but they weren't in town till later, etc. So that it would be cool to do something maybe next year if, it, if I do go back and play. But the trip was great. It was really, really good fun. And... Um, don't get me wrong, there was still a lot of, uh, with poker, you see some of these people that sit down, and it's just, you know, the, the guy was dressed like a poker pro, like, I, now, I, 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 I hate saying that, because my definition of a poker pro, and what I think of now, is completely different, but he, this guy was dressed like a wannabe poker pro, so he had this big, huge watch that wasn't a real watch, you know, it was like a $20 watch that was oversized or whatever, and uh, this like flat snap back like cat thing is basic uh, basketball shirt, and he sat and he watched uh, Talladega Nights on his phone for <laughs> pretty much the whole time. I was sitting laughing to himself, and the amount of times Alex he took his headphone out and said, "What are the blinds?" I was going, "Oh, this guy's fucking kidding me." What are the blinds? He was just and he was a complete rock and a complete. Net and he just sat there the whole time and when it was on him what are the blinds rather than look or look at the screen that was two feet away from him or what are the blinds what are the blinds as he raised you know asking everything and it was that whole thing about just not paying attention at the table I was like this guy's dead money and on that I thought about that the whole time I didn't take my uh, bud headphones I only had my big noise cancelling ones and I, I don't like wearing them at the table. I hate, you know, I, I like paying attention and listening and talking to people, etc. So I just left them in my hotel room. They were just for the flight, really. So I didn't have any headphones. So I was hardly on my phone. The only time I went on my phone is when I got a break um, from the chips, etc. And I tweeted some updates for, like, when I was doing okay in the tournament. And I was really paying attention and focusing in. And... I was t telling Carlos about this. There was this Asian lady at the table and I got moved to and she was a complete card rack. In the space of five, six hands, I saw her table, aces twice, kings, ace, king. And, you know, the table are like, she was like this before you got here, you know, yada, yada. So I'm playing and playing and I had 14 big blinds on the button and it was folded to her in the hijack, right? And she looked at her cards and then she sort of like moved them up to show the guy next to her to show him the hand as if to say look at that so I I clocked this out like the side of my eye I was watching her to see if she's just a way to muck them or whatever but she decides to raise and straight away I, I knew it was a monster so I'm thinking fuck she's picked up aces or kings again that's why she showed this guy because if it was anything else she's just mucking it you know if it was rubbish or you know whatever why is she showing the guy so I looked down at Ace Queen with 14 big blinds, which if I didn't notice that, I was 
obvious, I was sticking that in ah, like a hundred times out of a hundred I'm putting my chips in. So I fold the ace queen and then the small blind folds and the big blind folds and she turns over and shows kings, you know? <laughs> and I was like, just paying attention and seeing things like that. You know, like, if I didn't notice that, I was out the tournament likely there. You know, maybe I get lucky or whatever, but I was out the tournament, if you know, like there. So it was just, that was definitely reinforced. Um, that mm-hmm. was a really sort of sick spot. But the amount of people that are just sitting there, like I say, that guy was the epitome of it. Just watching a film on his phone, giggling to himself, paying zero attention to any action or betting or player or showdowns or anything. And then waking up with the Kings and... It was actually, he had Kings when the guy had Aces and I had Ace Kings. So it was quite funny, you know, we all chopped the pot. Um, And then he went out. And it was just completely, you know, is this guy backed? Is he playing off his own money, whatever? And he's sitting playing like that. It was just, I don't want to use disgusting in case the guy was just there gambling and whatever. But... But the talk he was giving and the aura he was trying to portray, etc., it was far from how he was, you know, carrying himself at the table. And uh, so poker's alive and well. So good luck to anybody going out to Vegas. The games are great, and um, for a little bit of run better, you know, it could have been a, a hell of a score in that golden nugget. There was ninety four grand up top, and I was mm-hmm. just super comfortable at the table. There was nobody at that table who I thought. I don't want to play a part with them, you know, and that was, a lot of the tournament was like that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you had a good time. It sounds like you actually did what adults are supposed to do when they gamble, which is do it for fun, and yeah. you had a good time, even though you didn't make money, right? Yeah. That's good. That's, the reason most people don't enjoy Vegas is, uh, what, the fun part of a tournament is if you play with money you can afford to lose, the downside is a nominal amount of money, and the upside is phenomenal, incredible. And we were talking about the last time I was able to pay, play a tournament session. I'm playing cash games every day, but it's so hard to find six, eight hours for a tournament session. My last two tournament sessions, we were talking about how magical it is just to come in off the street corner in New York and play a final table on your computer. And that magic of the game, that enjoyment of the game, is so easy to be lost if you're playing with an amount of money you are genuinely worried about. Mm. And then the downside is actually pretty monstrous. And the upside is still great, but because you're not going to realize it most of the time, what you're really going to do is most of the time experience frustration. I think in Vegas you see a large collection of people who embrace the good side of it. Old retirees uh, are fun to play with. Uh, I guess old wouldn't be the right word, senior citizen, forgive me, guys. But people who have the money to play cards with play however they want to play, and they it's fun. It's really fun, and it sounds like you had a great time with them. And then, yeah, there's guys like this guy who, I'll look at me, I'm a professional player, but at the same time, I'm on my iPad, and the 
You know, Elon Musk thinks there's a good chance we're in a simulation, Barry, so just pretend those guys are non-playable characters in a game of Zelda or something like that. Just go, oh, look, this is a funny bot. Mm. I, can't believe, I can't believe this. It's hard to take them seriously, right? Yeah. It's hard to yeah. believe that's a real person. <laughs> I was just like, looking at him. He probably, I was just looking in disgust, and he was chatting <laughs> away. He was chatting away to me like I was his friend, and I obviously just didn't come across as like I was just laughing inside, sort of going, "This guy's ridiculous." Is he listening to himself here? And he's honestly, and the way he bust out was hilarious. He had tens against Ace King. And he flopped, uh, they were all in pre, and he flopped a set, and it came like runner, runner straight. And he didn't, he didn't notice, he sat for a bit, thinking he'd still won the pot, you know, he was like, a smile, and then you saw the smile just drain from his face. And honestly, I, I statistically enjoyed that, it was funny, because he, he knew, he, I, it then dawned, and I, I went, oh, unlucky, you know, I was like, unlucky, and he sort of looked again, and was like, and then it hit him, he was like, got up, backpack, this and that, and that was him gone, sort of thing, but, you know, I, I don't mean to pick on the guy, whatever, I just think it's funny, if, if you turn up and you've got this oversized watch thing, a pinky ring on with, like, a Swarovski crystal in it, and uh, some, like, sports baseball cap, etc., you better play well, or you're setting yourself up for people to, you know, have a laugh at your expense, you know, sort of thing, it's, uh, it was funny, the, the way that he he carried himself and the way he talked to other players and that, and then you look at him and just think, is that guy so deluded? And then at one of the tourneys in the Rio, this guy sits down and just starts moaning straight away to the guy next to him. Could you move, please? Your knee's touching my knee. You're not square on there. Arguing about this uh, seating position, etc. Just a really obnoxious uh, prick, actually. And uh, I was just laughing, going, people are so miserable and as you say they're sitting playing okay it was a 250 dollars tournament but first still 30 40 grand you know and Uh, you're like you're playing for the chance at that you know anyone in the tournament has got a chance and you're still so disappointing so disgusted and this person's irritating you and that's irritating you and you're like wow like these people if they were homeless or that they probably just kill themselves because there's no resolve or no character or something you know it's just so entitled and um the other thing was is just watching them in terms of the way that they are to other people you know and communicating with people and i was just and it was funny i was just observing it so i was so relaxed and happy just like it wasn't irritating me you know i was just like wow you know just like how can you be like that how can you you know, why even leave the house to come here? You know, you don't have to come here <laughs> in that mood. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It, it's so unappreciative, too, because the nice thing about poker is you can do this till you're 80-something years old. Doyle just said he played his last tournament. He's 84 years old, and then he's on Twitter saying, damn it, I should have played another. So he's not even done. And you have all the time in the world, and playing cards is fun. I love the beginning of tournaments. I love it when everybody treats it like Monopoly money, and they just don't really see what I'm doing to them. I love when the annies kick in. I love day twos, day threes, like so much 
And I love, obviously, final tables. And it's amazing to me that at 30 years old, and I, I went pro at 18, if I was a baseball player, just in minor league baseball, or if I was a footballer, as Barry would say, and I didn't really, correlating my poker career with those sports careers, let's say I never made it out of playing in small leagues uh, in soccer, maybe I never got out of little little teams, my career would be over by now. Like that, They'd be like, oh, he's 30. He's washed up. That's it. But in poker, I've got another 50 years yeah. to go. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited for those 50 years because if there's 500 people on earth who have played as much tournament poker, studied as much tournament poker as I have, I'd be flabbergasted. But it's amazing just getting to play. I love even simple things like you were discussing playing cash in the Venetian. I was thinking, I love playing cash in the Venetian. I love the feel of the chips. There's two dealers there that I've become friends with, and they're always the nicest guys ever when I see them. And there's free coffee. And there's a little USB charger. And it sounds really... You can call it childlike, but I'm a happier person than everybody else, yeah. so I don't really care. And I feel as if it's a societal thing, too, where we very much value people who are, quote, over everything, where there's many times if somebody's genuinely enjoying this situation, we say, that person's infantile, and the older I get, excuse me, the older I get, the more I see the emotional intelligence in what you just did, Barry. You went to Vegas, and you enjoyed Vegas. You had fun in Vegas. You went to a smokehouse rib joint that is in no other part of the world. You had to go out to the city a few months, and you ate like minutes, and you had to eat like a king, yeah. and you enjoyed playing some cards. Yeah. That's what I always tell people. They go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Barry, but they go, they go out to Vegas, and they treat it as this marathon that at the end they're supposed to walk away with millions of dollars. And it's funny because nobody goes... If, I think the U.S. Open just ended. The U.S. Open is an open tournament. Anybody can apply to play golf on the U.S. Open. If you make the cut, it doesn't matter if you're a garbage man. You get to play. And if you, even if you were a golf coach, a scratch golfer, you wouldn't go out to the U.S. Open expecting to win the damn thing. And there's a lot more skill in golf than there is in poker. And yet people go out to... Vegas expecting just to walk away with, oh, you know, a cool million dollars. I'll do it with 800000 I I can make do. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny. The other thing is they never take breaks. That's always – I used to not like Vegas at all until I started going, you know what, dude, you're in this city every year for weeks, and you haven't seen any of it. So I went to Mount Charleston. I went to old Las Vegas. I went to uh, – 
independent shows in old Las Vegas. I went to NBA Summer League. I went to minor league baseball games. I went to New York, New York and played in the arcade like a dork for hours. I went to the Pinball Hall of Fame, which is the greatest place on God's green earth. Uh, I went to David Copperfield, which you and I talked about. And if, the, the older I get, the more I realize I started popping off at that time, or I started doing some things in Vegas, cashing the main event and whatnot, uh, winning, uh, winning that daily tournament and things like that. Because if you think about poker, poker is like a standardized test. You remember taking standardized tests in schools, Barry? Did you guys have standardized tests? Mm, what, what like? Explain. Well, like you, you fill in bubbles and like it, they, anyway, in the United States, every child is subjected to standardized tests every year to figure out how good the school is doing. And for four hours, they just hand you a booklet and you have to answer questions ad nauseum. And that's actually, if you think about how tired you are after a test, a really long test in a complex class. Think about it. That test has parameters. It has very specific questions and answers, and you're still exhausted. Poker, it's all on you what questions you're asking yourself, and sometimes you'll have the right answer, and it doesn't matter. You still fail the test. How tired are you going to be after day after day after yeah. day of that? you got to take breaks. And honestly, my favorite part of your retelling is you tell it, you being so excited about the Rolling Smoke uh, restaurant that you went to that you had to talk about it on the air. It sounds like you had a really good time, man. That's great. Yeah, and, and like yeah. you say, after that Golden Nugget run in that tournament, that was two days of playing and 3,000-odd players to finish 40th. After that, I just, <laughs> I just played cash. I decided I didn't, I didn't feel like playing tournaments after. I was so like, oh, I, just, I don't want to play another tournament. I think I'll just... You know, I won't. I was tired. That's what it was. And I just went, I'm just going to play cash. And I did well at the cash games. You know, I was profitable at the cash games again. So Exactly. Um, that's it. But, um, yeah, recommend it. Anybody that's not been, just do it. Get yourself out there. I'll hopefully be back next year. And I plan on a longer trip next year and doing it so that me and Alex overlap and actually meet each other. Unless I make it out to the East Coast before then, then I'll... I'll just turn up yeah, Alex. Here, these are my stomping grounds. I'll take you to a baseball game and I'll try to explain it to you. And you, you can report on this podcast if you got into it at all. <laughs> yeah, I did watch the Vegas Knights uh, ice hockey. I watched Ooh. that where they lost. I did watch that. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's forget that last part. Yeah. Hockey, hockey's fun, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was okay. Although I did find it hard to follow the puck a lot of the time. <laughs> really? I've never, yeah. everybody told me I'd have a hard time with that, and I, I, ha, I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah, it's maybe the, the angle and where I was sitting, but yeah, I, it was on TV. I don't know about yeah, I get or that. Yeah, I smaller but, screen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We all don't get to go to 10 Devils games a year like some people, Alex. Yeah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh yeah, I guess. Do we have any questions? Yeah, yeah. We talking about what an awesome time you had. No, in no, 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 no. That's that's another door closed. Another chapter closed till the next time. Okay. Um, we do have questions, and the first one I'm going to go for this one, um, and it is from someone in the Facebook group. Now I'm just going to read this out, and uh, here we go. This one is from Mark. 
Hello, I've been a listener for a while now, and my question is this. Why does Alex hate cannabis so much, but has, <laughs> but has no problem with alcohol consumption? The poker strat on the show is top-notch, but it's baffling that he'd have such a strong stance on pot. He even said that he wouldn't coach people who smoke pot. Some of us need to relax while we're playing. It's a part of this game. Or job, if you want to call it that. I'd understand. I'd understand if his feelings would be that one shouldn't smoke pot while playing, as it can impair, even if that depends on the particular strain. Contrary to what he may know, there are strains of cannabis that help focus. None of this is directed at Barry, because from what I've heard from the show, he seems to be okay with whatever people want to do. So. Buddy, I'm a libertarian. You can do whatever you want with your life. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Uh, by the way, there is no chance you or anybody you're a friend with has smoked as much pot as I have in my life. I was doing that before it was cool. I was doing that back when people made fun of you for doing that. I was doing that back when if you showed up for something, you were a little glass-eyed and you weren't exactly present. That, that was not seen as a very favorable thing. Look, you want to smoke pot and play cards, I think you should have the God-given right to do it. Uh, I, I don't think it's anybody's place to judge you. But there are certain things that come up in my lessons which I can't help but not notice. And I do teach a lot of people who do smoke pot, but one of the first things that... I'm looking for results really quickly. If I don't get results, you probably shouldn't pay me. And I'll coach you if you smoke pot, but I've gotten about 20 guys to stop smoking pot when they play, and I've never had a guy come back and say, Alex, that was a stupid idea. When I smoked pot, I was just crushing, and now... I'm not doing as well. They all report, yeah, you know, it's not as fun. Smoking pot and playing cards is pretty fun. But it, it's, I'm a little bit more clear-headed. I notice a few more things. I'm a little bit more scared when I do certain plays, but I'm fine with it. Uh, I think smoking pot's much, it's much safer for you than drinking alcohol. But for the record, I don't... I don't drink alcohol or smoke pot because I, I take medication for, I don't want to say, I've never really, I, I uh, sorry, if, if I smoke pot, drink, it, it goes really bad really quickly. And a lot of my students actually share those symptoms as well uh, because poker attracts addicts. Uh, addicts are really into gambling, the adrenaline rush from playing poker. I, If you want to know how much of an addict I am, when I'm all in bluffing on the river, and the guy's tanking, that's one of the best moments of my life. That's how much I enjoy the adrenaline rush. That's, that, like, that's where I'm at. So I, uh, now that usually comes from something that's not 
I've never really gotten a diagnosis, which I really thought, okay, that perfectly explains me. But, okay, you could say mood disturbances or whatnot. And if I drink or smoke pot, things go sour really quickly. And a lot of my students, I recognize that in really quickly, and they have all this excess energy when they're sober, and they just apply it to the game, and they destroy. You look at John Van Fleet. Uh, John Van Fleet, uh, I think he's been very public about his problems with addiction. I, I think he's probably the best tournament player in the world when he's sober. Uh, I've been saying that for five years, and I think people are starting to see that because he's made mil- like he's literally made a million dollars from an online tournament recently. He's that good when he takes all that nervous energy and puts it toward it. Now, I'd be a huge hypocrite if I said pot is bad. Uh, I, I, sorry, I had no idea this was going to be the question. I, I never, if you can't tell, I don't prep for these questions. I want you guys to have honest reactions. No, uh, I have family members that smoke pot. They're great people. I'm much happier that they're smoking pot as opposed to drinking because I, I've had, I have family members that are alcoholics and uh, somebody who smokes pot daily tends to be a much better person, uh, just in my personal experience, than people just need to drink to do anything. But all things considered, uh, it's, been, it's become really strange to me, Barry, that when I was a kid and we smoked pot, it was kind of understood, like, this isn't the greatest thing in the world for you. And now, if you say anything along the lines of, like, hey, I believe, you know, like, optimal performance uh, pot is not something you should do. Or if you say anything anti-pot, period, now, everybody has to hit you with the, oh, this is medicine, man. It's from the earth. and it, it, Yeah, you know. So are carcinogenic mushrooms that can kill you. Uh, a lot of stuff is from the earth, like la- hot lava comes from the earth. I, I don't think you want to consume that at any point. But it's, it's been really weird to me to see the huge shift from, okay, let's do this uh, in a back alley and go, you know, let's get ripped and, like, go watch a movie to, hey, you know, I'm going to go work. I got, I'm going to work at the plant. Uh, I got to smoke a little pot because I'm a little stressed. <laughs> and that was, uh, you know, even my friends and I who smoke pot growing up, they'd be like, dude, you're at work if you saw that. And now I, I guess the pendulum swung the other direction. And I, I always want to say, like, yeah, the plant is not bad for you if you just ingest it, but also smoking it through burning papers is not exactly the best thing for your lungs. And I just, in my experience, if you guys want to know why I really hate pot, because it screwed up my career. I was a very driven person, uh, very hardworking, creative person, very frugal with my money. And that all that all always came from anxiety. I have problems with anxiety too, and I smoke pot. And to its credit, the reason why drugs are popular is because they work. 
Nobody talks about that in the D.A.R.E. campaign, but pot worked. It took away my anxiety, but it also took away my work ethic. And it, it took away – the worst part was it was insidious. At the beginning, it didn't do that. At the beginning, it would just – I wouldn't feel anxiety, and I would still do everything. I'd still go to the gym. I'd still work out. Uh, I'd be fine when I played poker. And then it wouldn't – and then it just – it started catching up to me, whereas uh, there's like – there was a certain level of education with alcohol. So I can tell people – like, I hate alcohol. I could never, like, I miss pot. I never miss alcohol. Uh, but there's a certain level of education with alcohol. Like, if, it, if Barry wakes up tomorrow morning and takes a sip off of a flask, he knows something's up right now. Whereas there's a lot of people that wake up and the first thing they got to do is smoke pot. And I don't think... I think that's where the problem becomes, which is like, hey, I'm not, I don't feel like myself unless I do this. Wait, however, if you're an adult and you and your friends are watching movies in Wisconsin on a Thursday night, have fun. You know, do it for me, too, because I retired. Have a ball. I don't care. Do your own thing. But if you're going to play something that many people refer to as a mental sport, and you really say you want to be serious about this, I, I think you've got to be all systems firing. You can't... Uh, like, you can even have a little bit of fatigue from drinking too much coffee, and that'll affect you at the poker table. Imagine being a little intoxicated. What's that, what that's going to do to you? And most of what we're talking about here is peak performance stuff. So... It's if you just want to smoke pot and play cards, I think that's your right. I think that's fine. Uh, you're not you're not going to get any argument from me. But the other thing is, uh, pot actually increased my anxiety. Eventually, it killed it for a little while, and then it brought it back times a thousand. And it was really terrible. And then when I just said, you know, hey buddy, get your act together. And, you know, this stuff isn't brain surgery. Just wake up a little early, earlier and uh, do some road work and do some push-ups. Then I started noticing my anxiety slipping just a little bit. And then, hey, you know, I'm eating all this processed food. You know, maybe I should cook dinner a few times at home at night. And then, okay, my anxiety went down a little bit from there. And then, uh, then you know, one day I realized I'm eating a lot of beef. I'm eating a lot of red meat. Maybe I should... I've never read a study that said veggies are bad for you. It's never happened, right? Everybody says, it, everybody says veggies are the best thing in the world. So I started making more salads and eating more lean proteins, more fish with that. Then my anxiety went down even more. Then I started like, okay, maybe I'll go to a gym instead of doing some push-ups and I'll lift some weights. Then my anxiety went down even more. And I just kept building on it. And I thought, this is great stuff. And then... I would smoke pot and I didn't need to do any of that. So then I would just not do it. And then I would be right back where I started a couple months later. And that's not the pot's fault. That's my fault. But many of my students are just as weak as I am. So I guess I'm a little, to your credit, I'm a little overly dismissive when I shouldn't be. 
But it's just because I've had so many guys doing so well go back to that, and then it's so hard to recuperate. And I have so many... Uh, I, ha- I really... I was much riskier with my bankroll when I was drinking and smoking pot regularly as opposed to when I was bone sober. And I was doing amazing when I was sober and I was a teenager and I was kind of scared and I just played my little games and I never played on Sunday because that's when all the pros played. And I played at nights because nobody was there and I was really into my running and Everybody would make fun of what low stakes I was playing, but I loved watching my bank account get bigger and being stable. And then I started listening to everybody else, and I started, uh, I started smoking pot, I started drinking, I started taking riskier financial decisions. Then uh, one day you look back and you go, well, that, that, was, that was a good couple of years. So I guess I'm a little overly prejudicial because I couldn't handle it myself, and that's my fault. And to your credit, you have a point. Perhaps I am a little judgmental and narrow-minded, but it comes from a place of pain, and it's just not something I want any of my students to ever experience. So if you, yeah, whatever you do on your own time is great. I think it's fine. And especially if you have perfect neurochemistry, which I don't have, you know, have a ball. But I get a little worried about it with my students because they don't have perfect neurochemistry or they do have very addictive personalities or they like to play some cards for high stakes when they're uh, high. So that, that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, and to be fair to Alex, as he mentioned, Alex didn't know that the first question back was just going to be sort of not on poker or how you play jacks or anything. It was going to be on why has he got such a bee in his bonnet about, uh, you know... Uh, You're an old friend. People, <laughs> people smoking weed. And I would say, Alex has politely said there that what's good for you might not be good for him. And he's telling you from a personal point of view and through his lens and his experience. And that's all anybody can ever do. And in fact, I'm very much of the stance that Alex is on. And... I have saw two good friends' uh, lives destroyed from weed. Just weed. They don't do any other drugs. They didn't drink or anything. Purely weed. They smoked it from, you know, 14 years old, 13 years old. And um, one guy I know is uh, not left the house since 2003. So that's 15 years now. And when I say he's not left the house, I don't mean he's been out for a hospital appointment. Or he's been out for a haircut and he just never goes out and socialises. I mean the guy is fully blown agoraphobic and he will not leave the house, cross the threshold. He never has in 15 years. So from the age of, I think he was 15 at the time, so he'll be 30 now. 15 to 30 and what's happened, you know? Mm-hmm. His life's in the house. And that's disgusting to me and horrible. And I know other people who have experienced uh, psychosis brought on from uh, smoking weed, smoking too much weed. Now, people will, like Alex says, it's very, just now, you know, Canada's just legalised it, um, I saw. It was legal now in Nevada, it wasn't two years ago when I last went. 
and I could smell it everywhere now in the hotels and in, mm-hmm. there was a guy hitting a bong in Fremont Street, you know, and so and um, that thing, and all you've got to remember is what's good for some people is not good for some. I know good and bad drunks. There's guys who I know who will drink, and then after their fifth or sixth drink, they'll turn into aggressive monsters. It's not them, but it's them on drink. They just that's the way they go. And yeah. it's the same with weed. Some people can just sit like Alex says and smoke it and smoke it and smoke it, and they're chilled out and they get all the upside from it. There's no downside. I yeah. know from my own own experience, I've tried it, and all it does to me is make me, of all the times I've tried it, I'd say 80% of the time, it makes me panicky, overthinking, yeah. paranoid, really up in my head in a bad way. And the other 20%, I've maybe like relaxed and actually mellowed out and had a little bit of a good time on it. But I know it's not for me, personally, mm-hmm. uh, through my experiences. And that's all I can go on. But I'm not sitting telling other people not to do it. But I will tell... Now, sorry, let me rephrase that. And I think Alex is the same. He's not telling everyone not to do it. He's telling people that he cares about and who are close to him not to do it. Because based on his experience, it's, it's a negative overall. So Alex is their coach and he's looking out for them as well. So he's going to give them the advice... And everyone's advice comes from their own experiences. So Alex's experience overall has been downside with that, like mine. And that is why when people close to me start smoking it again or they tell me they're smoking it, I kind of do, I'll admit, I get on a bit of a soapbox about like, look, you don't want to be doing that, you don't want to be, you know, and that will maybe come across as, and maybe that's something I need to work on, I come across a bit judgmental that way with people close to me, but... The average person in the street, I'm not going to stand and say, look at that horrible person. (laughs) Or they should be in jail. Or they should be in jail. But if my brother starts smoking again, or if, um, you know, someone else I care about starts doing it, and and I see it become uh, encroaching more on their life and becoming a problem, and I notice personality changes or something like that, then damn right I'm going to say something and say, look, and try and be there. And, And it's hard to not come across judgmental and screamy when you actually you're caring and that's probably something i need to uh, work on you know on how how you do how you do come across and get that point across but i think that the whole thing about it is is we've touched on it some people can just cruise on through it and it's fine for them and it's great and it, you know they might there'll be some people that do play better poker on it or whatever or they're better people on it or whatever but other people can't do that, and they don't. So it's really an individual thing, and there's no blanket one size fits all for it. Uh, that's my sort of view as well. To put a bow on this, the reason I say if you want to have a drink, have a drink, it's because most people understand. It's very rare to find somebody who doesn't understand. Oh, if I drink more than a couple nights a week, there's something wrong, right? Or if I if I really drink a lot on Friday night and get to the point where I'm getting into a fight with the bartender, something's wrong. Whereas I don't think we're at that education level yet with pot. And the guys that I run across that are into pot, they're into pot. It's It's a daily thing. And if you think about 
if you said, yeah, I had, uh, you know, I have three glasses of red wine every night, that's pretty innocuous. But if you were really w looking after your health, th that that would be worrisome. And then if you said, you know, I'm I'm smoking something every night. If I'm smoking cigarettes every night, well, now everybody's on their soapbox. I used to smoke cigarettes, and I never heard the end of it. And I always would say, what, what am I going to do to you if I do this? Like, what, what is it? By the way, it's my, like, I'd be smoking outside, and people would say something, right? And nobody would ever get off their soapbox with cigarettes. I had to listen to it nonstop. And then these same people... A few years later, go to, oh, yeah, you know, smoking pot every day. It's good for you. And not like that. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just, it's weird to me because the stuff that gets on minors, Barry, is when they say it's not addictive. That yeah. blows my effing mind. I always go, what do you call it then when you can't stop doing it? Have you ever had a friend who smoked that pot every day and quit? Was that a good couple of weeks? How were they feeling? Could they do it that quick? And I'm sorry, most of my students are like that. If they're in, every one of my students who says, I drink, I say, how much do you drink? They say, um, because it's part of the first thing we ask, right? Do you drink, do you smoke pot, any of that? Here's every single one of my students. Um, you know, like once a year when I go back home with my friends, you know, we'll tie one on. We'll, we'll get a little tossed. And, but that's about it. Or if we're in Vegas, we'll do it. I might have a glass of wine with di dinner. Or I'll have a couple beers on a Friday night if I'm out with my friends. But, you know, three beers tops. That's 99% of my students. So guess what? I never have to worry about drinking. It sounds like most of the adults that I work with are pretty fine. But here's what I hear with pot. It's not... I do it once a year. It's not, hey, when I'm in Vegas and it's illegal, who cares? And I'm like, hey, man, party on. Have fun. Do what you want. It's your life, right? But it's, I do this every day. I, I, I can't play poker without it. And that, that, is, that is dangerous. That is, and he brought up strands, which is, yeah, there's different strands. And... There, there's sometimes, like, I, I know guys who can't, well, hell, I used to be a guy who couldn't play without smoking pot, and then you would change the strand slightly or something, and then, whoo, boy, you were a different person when you did that, and that was, like, when I was really young, right? But, and it's just one of those things, every time I remove it, or I go, hey, if I'm going to coach you, I want you to seriously consider this. You know, smoke pot on the weekend with your friends, right? You know, when you're hanging out with your lady, you know, have fun, right? Cooking a little dinner, drink a little red wines, you know, have fun. Do what you want, right? And, but when you play poker, I need you here. I have never had a guy go, that was a bad idea. Every single one of them goes, you know what, man, that really helped me a lot. That, that it was hard the first few sessions and then it got better. But then, yeah, if you want to just, Smoke pot and play cards. Have at it. And another thing, the final thing I'm going to say, some leveling of anxiety is good for you. Anxiety is not a bad thing. 
Have you ever been anxious for a test so you studied harder? Have you ever been anxious for a job interview so you practice questions with your friends? Anxiety, checked anxiety, is a good thing. And there's a very easy way to check it, and that's just to make sure you're sleeping eight hours a night, uh, to eat well, and to exercise every day you can. And then you will check your anxiety very well and also save money. Put money aside because financial issues are a real stressor. So you can save money just living below your means or living in a modest place, not the biggest place you can find, cooking at home, things like that, working a little overtime whenever it comes up. And then you'll check your anxiety and then that little bit of anxiety that comes up, which is like, ah, hell, I got, I got a little bit of a belly here. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm going to wake up a little earlier and run. Or I got, you know, I don't really feel like I'm where I'm at with my poker game. Maybe, you know, maybe on my lunch break tomorrow, I'm going to watch that Matthew John video about three betting. Maybe if I could just get that, that would help me. And I don't like anything that kills that. And... A lot of the guys that are into drinking, they drink a couple beers and it's at the end of the day and they go to bed. A lot of my friends that are into pot, it's right in the morning and there's no, hey, I should get to the gym. There's no, hey, I should do this, which, but hey, man, and I'm letting you know, if you're in Vegas, you want to smoke pot, you want to play some cards, you're not hurting anybody, I believe that's your right. I really do. I think it's a great move forward in the United States that they're legalizing it. I think that needs to be done. I don't think they should be able to collect taxes on it because it's always been your right, in my opinion. Uh, I, I love how the state now does this thing where it's like, oh, we'll give you the right to smoke pot. It's like, no, that's, you know, people have a right to do whatever they want with their body, in my opinion, uh, period, right? Just the end the statement right there and you can take whatever you want from that but that's my personal belief you do whatever you want but if i'm trying to make you a mean lean poker machine i gotta take every edge i can get my friend okay okay uh that, uh, is, all, that is all we have time for for this episode it's been uh vegas talk and week talk so um vegas and pot <laughs> yeah, Vegas and Pot. Next week we will do some other listener questions. But that is all the time we have today. Alex, how can people get in touch with you um for your rehab outreach program and your <laughs> your your sanctuary uh, that you're providing? I'm joking. Uh, no, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for uh your webinars you have for sale and all your other good stuff? <laughs> you really sprung it on me this week. If you want to write me for anything, write me at alexandpokeradrush.com and uh, uh, <laughs> sign up at, uh, follow me on Twitter at The Assassin. I was sign up for my newsletter at pokeradrush.com in the top right. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You probably want to sign up for that newsletter because I got a bunch of videos. I got five videos in the tank, and I don't know what comes out on YouTube and what doesn't. So uh, 
if you want to check those out, go ahead and do it. And Barry will tell you, last week you got five free articles, like one each day. Did you like that, Barry? Yeah, they're great. I've actually got a few backlog in my inbox on my phone to read through. So, um, yeah, they're coming thick and fast, which is good. And I got one the other day about buying a PC or main event action, and I did that as well. So, uh, no pressure. I'm going to make you rich, and I'm going to be stuck for that final table. That's it, that's it. I'll fly out (laughs) if you make the final table. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fly back out. Okay. Uh, thanks, Alex, for joining us again. Um, it is a pleasure. Uh, as you said, thanks for having me. It's thanks for coming back as well on my part. Um, keep your questions coming in for Alex on a future show. Questions at oneouter dot com, and we will get them read out on a future show. Uh, tweet them or post them in the Facebook group, but that is the best way questions at oneouter.com on the email and they will get added to the list. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday major on the planet with $1 million on the table every week. Yes, $1 million guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1 million guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.